0: From WOUB News, you're listening to The Outlet, where campus meets community. I'm Caleb McCleskey. Each week on The Outlet, we bring you stories from Southeast Ohio. This week on The Outlet, an Ohio University professor takes part in an important project for the future of spaceflight.
1: Animals cannot survive without plants, period. So yes, if we're going anywhere, we've got to take plants. We can either package them all up and take them
2: or we can grow them when we get there.
0: And an Athens local locates their side hustle on Court Street.
2: My buddy and I were just always talking about wanting to get a side hustle going. Uh, hey, that side hustle turned into a full-time hustle.
0: These stories and more, right here on The Outlet. An Ohio University professor is one of 18 scientists in the country who took part in a prestigious scientific project. Outlet reporter Silver Barker speaks with them about their findings.
1: This is the do not lose this keychain keychain. Dr. Sarah Wyatt is always on the move, keeping an eye on these little brown spots, eridopsis seeds, small yet very meaningful towards her research. Wyatt studies how plants grow in microgravity environments like space. Her research could help astronauts going to the moon or Mars grow plants for food, medicine, and oxygen. Animals cannot survive without plants, period. So yes, if we're going anywhere, we've got to take plants. We can either package them all up and take them, or we can grow them when we get there. She's already had four of her experiments launched into space, and will have a fifth. We send them up as seed, they germinate um, on ISS, and then we can freeze them and bring them back. Wyatt says the usual cost to launch something is 30 to $40,000 per pound, which is why she believes plants can make launches much more affordable. So that that piece of how do we do it, how, how do we travel with the least expense? Although Wyatt has never been to space, she has been able to see her own experiments launch, a moment she'll never forget. You can see it go up and then it's like, All right, here it comes. And it's just like, oh my God. (laughs) And now, Wyatt wants to select a team of students to experience that same excitement. She plans to gather 10 teams of people interested in designing experiments for the International Space Station. One lucky team's experiment will be chosen to fly to the International Space Station, and they will feel the same thrill Dr. Wyatt did seeing their experiment head into space. Reporting for The Outlet, I'm Silver Barker in Athens.
0: The city of Athens will eliminate single-use plastic bags at the end of the year. Outlet reporter Haley Richardson speaks with businesses about what this change means for the city.
3: General manager of the college bookstore, Gene Arms, orders heavy-duty plastic bags for his store. Starting January 1st, he will be required by an Athens city ordinance to begin using paper bags. Arms says it will cost him thousands of dollars.
2: That's money I could be paying an employee. So, I mean, that's the equivalent of of a part-time job for the full year that we can't sponsor because we're paying it out to to provide paper bags.
3: The city considered a proposal to charge a 10-cent fee per single-use bag, but it was tabled. Then in 2020, the state banned local governments from enacting single-use bag bans. Councilmember Alan Swank says the ordinance follows state law.
0: That we did it so there is no tax and there is no fee uh, for an alternative bag. and that way, we were able to conform to the letter of the law and at the same time address the, the massive amount of waste and litter and environmental impact of the single-use plastic bags.
3: However, the ordinance is costing small businesses big bucks. Owner of Athens Underground, Barbara Stout, is all for getting rid of plastic, but she doesn't like the price tag of the initiative. To keep store prices down, Stout is relying on customers to bring their own bags, which Swank says is the intended reaction to the ordinance. Reporting for The Outlet, I'm Haley Richardson in Athens.
0: A YouGov poll shows just over 60% of Americans decorate for the holidays after Thanksgiving, but 40% decorate before the turkey is even in the oven. Outlet reporter Jack Green takes the question to people in Athens to settle the debate.
4: It's November and every year a feud breaks out between those who decorate for Christmas before Thanksgiving and those who decorate after. So to help settle the feud while also spreading some Christmas cheer, we've asked residents when they think it's time to celebrate Christmas. Alright Kaylee, so when do you decorate for Christmas, before or after Thanksgiving?
5: Um, if it was up to me it would be before Thanksgiving. After? I say before
0: my brother he's a big stickler and anytime he sees like any commercials on like tv or just anyone wearing a christmas hat he'll get a little upset and i think it's a little funny so
4: how much do you and uh, your family decorate for christmas
6: um it's like like north pole when you walk into my house
0: a little bit of lights stuff around the house put you in the mood
6: sometimes you get a tree like maybe a week before christmas <laughs>
0: You know, Jack Skeleton, we have one of those and it's kind of a cutout. We set outside of our house and it scares a lot of people. What do you
4: have to say to those people who decorate before Thanksgiving?
2: Kudos to you for having that Christmas spirit year-round. Um, it's not me though, I can't do that.
4: I wish I had your energy and your determination.
6: Live your life, like it's so fun. Love holidays. Honestly so dreadful, I just cannot picture myself surrounded by these people. I would honestly probably rather
4: pass away. Do you guys have a favorite Christmas song that gets you in the holiday spirit?
5: Uh, All I want for Christmas, just classic.
4: Do you want to give us a little snippet of it?
5: All I want for Christmas is
6: you. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town.
4: Awesome. Thanks, guys. And you guys said Santa. What do you guys want Santa to bring you guys this year?
7: Happiness.
2: Jingle bells, jingle bells,
4: jingle all the way. All right, that's
0: it. An Athens local is pursuing a new side hustle on Court Street selling hot dogs. Outlet reporter Mia Sammons has more about the new business.
7: Yes, there is a man cooking a hot dog with a baby on his back on the corner of Court Street. Say hello to Alex Cogley, the owner of CR Dogs Concessions, or in other words, a pop-up hot dog stand.
2: My buddy and I were just always talking about wanting to get a side hustle going. Uh, and that side hustle turned into a full-time hustle. And whenever we were both in Boy Scouts and we worked at a Cub Scout camp when we were younger, uh, we used to sling dogs out the side of our tent. Uh, we had like electricity running to uh, all the tents, and we kept blowing the breaker, so uh, people in charge were like, okay, no more of this.
7: And while those in power shot Alex's fledging hot dog empire down when he was younger, Now, his hot dog stand is a way to reclaim his power and escape the corporate grind.
2: I used to work in the pharmaceutical industry, and the blood industry. The most recent role, the company ended up going under just due to a lack of funding. So, uh, like I said, turned into a full-time gig. An
7: extra bonus, quality time spent with his daughter who accompanies him on his job every day.
2: Getting to spend time with my daughter. Much better manager than my previous managers, like I said, in corporate America. So I'll choose her any day over, you know dealing with that.
7: Alex loves forming connections and learning about other people in a town that he really enjoys.
2: Talking to people, finding out what you know what are their plans. Uh, You get to meet a lot of people working in Athens. Uh, Athens is a really cool town. Getting to hear other people's backstories and yeah just be a part of the community.
7: From serving hot dogs to forming meaningful connections with customers, Alex Cogley and his daughter are certainly a standout on Court Street. Reporting for the outlet, I'm Mia Sammons in Athens.
0: Jack Green, a reporter for WOUB Public Media, recently reported on the latest Athens City Council meeting. So what was discussed at the meeting, Jack?
4: So at Monday's meeting, um, City Council discussed a multitude of ordinances. It was actually a special session. So what that means is that it was both a regular session of council where all of the council meets and reads off ordinances, along with uh, several committee meetings. City Council meets four times a month. Two of those meetings are regular sessions, uh, and then the two others are committees. So a special session is just a combination of both. So during which they passed uh, a number of ordinances, but what really is important is um, there's two ordinances that will be up for third reading next Monday at City Council and They will kind of be looking at parking rates um, and possibly raising those. Also um, approving plans for the University of State's phase two of their project, um, building 25 new homes on the east side of town. Another major announcement that came out of City Council's meeting on Monday was that the city had finally chosen a bid and who they were going to move forward with um, to take over the city's solid waste collection or uh, trash collection. Um, and they decided to move forward with one, Rumpke, uh that's a Cincinnati-based company, instead of the Athens Hawking Recycling Centers, which is a locally-owned company. And some people at city councils meeting were kind of upset that the city's administration uh, chose to move forward with Rumkey instead of AHRC.
0: So what are some of the differences with now moving into Rumkey from the local company?
4: Between the two bids, Athens Hawking recycling was, uh, according to Andy Stone, the service safety director, and the budgets that he provided us with, Athens Hawking's rates would have increased much more than Rumpke's, and Director Stone said that he decided to go with what would be the lowest increase for taxpayers. Um, So for a one can rate, uh, residents that currently pay for a one can it's um fifteen dollars, uh around fifteen dollars. And now they'll see an increase of seven dollars to now be paying around twenty-two dollars for a one for one can and for two cans, uh they'll see an increase of eight dollars to start paying about thirty-one dollars. Um, something interesting that the city's trying to do. Um Director Stone is proposing increasing rates uh more than what the actual cost contract rate is for can rates that are above one can so the city is trying to subsidize one cans and making it cheaper for people um, because the actual cost of the one can rate is 29 dollars, but like i said it's 22 for residents so as you get higher and higher so if you go to two to three cans four or five so on um that price tag is gonna increase, and that increase is gonna increase more so that the city can help subsidize and keep that one can rate low.
0: So when will the change from the local company to Rumpke go into effect?
4: So the contract goes into effect January 1st. Now what's really interesting is that council has to approve these rates. So back in June, the city, city council decided to give the decision of who the next contract will be with to the city administration to Director uh, Stone, because council really couldn't come to a clear decision, and also council believed that this was a city administration decision. Um, this is the only contract that city council actually decides, um, and so the city de- so city council decided to give it to the administration for them to decide, and at the same time. The deadline to sign a new contract was actually June 30th, but the city had to sign an emergency contract with AHRC that increased to increase rates even more, but that didn't hit uh, residents. Uh, instead, the city had to pay that. So this new contract will go into effect January 1st. And a really key point with these rates is that these have to go through council and council has to approve the rates You don't have to approve the contract. And there's only three regular session meetings left in council. But also, we'll have an an entirely new council, and they'll be the ones to decide this. And the reason why it's so important that council try and get these rates done as soon as possible is that if they have to amend these rates at least once, it goes back to first reading. And the city doesn't have time to put those back on first reading because, like I said, there's only three meetings left. So any more time that's taken, they're either going to have to go to another special session or the city's going to start this contract without any rates set. And Director Stone says that could pose a major risk to the city. Director Stone said that could pose a major risk to the city's current funds and could lead to some Pretty, serious, pretty precarious situations for the city.
0: That was reporter Jack Green with WOUB Public Media. You can find more about Jack's story on WOUB's website at woub.org. Cooler weather heads to Southeast Ohio this Thanksgiving. WOUB lead forecaster Emily Deese joins us to talk about the weather for the upcoming holiday. So, Emily, what is the weather for the next two weeks?
6: Right, we're going to start off with what's coming up these next couple of days. So, so far, it's pretty early in the week right now. We've seen some fairly warm-ish weather. You know we're not in the 60s or 70s, but we're definitely not in the chillier 40s. So, we're sitting comfortably in the mid to upper 50s. And that's going to climb a little bit as we hit Thursday. We're going to see maybe even touching 70. But then, (laughs) I know you're shaking your head right now, but we're so far in November, but we still might see 70 degrees. Um, But then once we get to Friday, we are looking at a cold front passing through, which I'm excited about because to me, November means sweatshirts, it means sweaters, it means cold weather and dry, crunchy leaves all over the ground. So I'm very much looking forward to that. And Friday, we're looking at that cold front moving through, so our temperatures are going to drop by about 10 degrees, so it'll be about 60, and we're going to see a decent amount of rain for most of that day, most of that rain looking like the evening hours, unfortunately, so if you're attending any football games, that rain should be starting around 5 p.m.-ish at the moment. That is subject to change. As we move throughout the week and as things sort of develop a little bit more but with that passing cold front it's going to set us up really nicely for a chillier fall weekend because we also have some high pressure following right behind it because that's going to clear those skies out really nicely so although it'll be chillier we're looking at 50 degrees uh, to be around our temperature for saturday and sunday it will be really nice sunny skies so if you have any weekend plans uh, this will be a nice time to get outside and enjoy it. And that's also going to set us up nicely for Monday next week. And I know I'm really anticipating Thanksgiving. I absolutely love a chilly Thanksgiving day, even with a couple of snowflakes. And what we're looking at next week is we're looking at a little bit around the same temperatures, but then Tuesday and Wednesday right now are looking a little rainy with possible snow showers Wednesday morning since our overnight conditions are going to be dropping down to the 30s. And that rain will be falling, so it might be more of a rainy, icy mix. But for the most part, we're just expecting a lot of rain because the ground still needs to freeze a little bit as well. But I don't know what your kind of Thanksgiving ideal temperatures or weather conditions are. But
0: I kind of prefer, like, the 40s, 50s. Like, not really to wear, I have to wear a coat, but definitely I don't want to be wearing shorts and a t-shirt anymore.
6: For sure, because I feel like as soon as Thanksgiving hit, then the holiday season hits. And that's when I'm like, yes, it needs yeah. to be cold outside. I need to be drinking hot chocolate mm-hmm. and staying inside, you know, especially because it's so dark outside. I too. haven't even
0: had apple cider yet, which is kind of disappointing, but
6: and still plenty it, of time. Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> yeah, but to keep talking about the Thanksgiving and the days revolving around it, what are some of the record temperatures Ohio has had on Thanksgiving Day?
6: Yeah, so it looks like our warmest Thanksgiving day was back in 1896. So I really am hoping that we never see a temperature this warm again because that will make for miserable Thanksgiving. Uh, It looks like that warmest max was about 70 degrees. So that is definitely a shorts and a t-shirt Thanksgiving in my book and definitely not ideal for Thanksgiving dinner. But if we're looking at our coldest day, this is also a really, really cold day. This is actually more recent. Uh, so we're looking at about 19.30 for our year, and the high for that day was 13 degrees. Yeah, that's so, too cold. Yeah, just like you said, you're wearing that big puffy jacket right. for Thanksgiving dinner over to whoever's house you're going mm-hmm. to, and you're like, oh, get your plate of warm food now. But yeah, we also had something interesting down in Athens, Ohio. It was called the Storm of the Century back in 1950 on actually Thanksgiving weekend. So anyone traveling on Thanksgiving that year lucked out with the storm, but... Uh, there was a lot of snowfall, particularly in southeast Ohio, uh, that inhibited a lot of people from traveling back home that weekend that hit Friday and Saturday. So uh, we won't be seeing any snow like that. So we're getting kind of a mix of everything. We're not as cold as 13 degrees, not as warm as 70, a little bit of rain, and maybe some snow flurries to kick off uh, the upcoming holiday season around Thanksgiving. So it'll definitely be a really interesting day to see how all that rain uh, holds out and plays out for the next couple of days.
0: The Ohio University Women's Volleyball Team is MAC East co-champs. Sports Director Aiden Crowley and Associate Sports Director Maria Manessi explain what this accomplishment means for the program. So guys, volleyball just had a huge accomplishment over the weekend. Maria, I'm going to go to you first. How did they pull this off?
5: Ohio Volleyball is named co-MAC East Division champions. They share that title with Buffalo, who they split the series with earlier in the season, both finishing with a 13-5 conference record um, after Ohio beat Kent State on the road for their last regular season game. Um, It's the 14th time that Ohio Volleyball has won the MAC East Division, and it has been eight years since they were able to do it. Obviously a big win for them to be able to get the East Division crown, and just what they've been able to do throughout the season. They have a lot of young players. We've talked about Cam Hunt a lot, who had 13 kills against Kent State, and then Kaitlin O'Farrell leading Ohio, like she always does, led with 18 kills. Those two have been tremendous for the Bobcats this season, especially Through the past couple of weeks, really, Ohio's just lit up. Full series sweeps, and they've just kind of found their foot, especially with the younger players, mixing them in with the group of seniors that they have, just them being able to get it done, especially um, since it's been eight years since they've been able to get the – um, East Division title which is really really good for them they've been playing really good they will now look ahead to play Toledo in the opening round of the MAC tournament on November 18th so exciting to see what they're going to be able to do um, here come tournament time
0: yeah and then last night but Wednesday we had Maction at Peden for football their last home game of the season Aiden I'm going to go to you first What was the atmosphere like in the stadium? How was just everybody feeling about it? And then what was the turnout for this game?
8: Yeah, Caleb, it was almost bittersweet in there because obviously the game and the excitement that everything comes with it. um, But also it was the last opportunity for what Coach Albin described to be one of the best senior classes, one of the best classes to leave uh ohio university to leave this football program takes the field for the last time trying to defend the frank and they did they walked away with that 34 to 20 victory and you knew this class with how talented they are they were not about to go out without a bang and all of the impact and the splash play seemed to come from seniors shane bonner opened up the game with the pick six Curtis Rourke had 200-plus yards passing and a rushing touchdown. And how about O'Shawn Allison, someone who's been a part of the program for six years? He found the end zone twice. So just everywhere you look in this game, it was seniors making plays. But, Maria, it was also historic for another reason for this win. Obviously, they got the monkey off their back in this win with Central Michigan.
5: Yeah, they hadn't beat Central Michigan since 2011, which is hard to believe. And also at home, they hadn't beat Central Michigan since 2000. So just getting that win, obviously, head coach Tim Albin knew after the game, um, he described it as central michigan historically having their number in the past years and for them to get it done especially for the seniors i mean you mentioned the tremendous group that they have also bryce houston and keith thompson two linebackers that you and i have talked to Aiden numerous times this season tremendous leaders for this team how much they mean to the program you saw them after the game how special it was then taking it all in one last time on the frank just what they've meant to this program. Another group that has just been here for six years, like O'Shawn, just what they've meant to this program. Combined for 18 tackles, what they've done the past couple of weeks, just all season for this defense, but those two will be missed for sure, leaving a tremendous impact on this program.
8: Absolutely. Probably the best linebacker duo Ohio has ever seen in two of the best linebackers to ever come through the program. Anytime you talk to Coach Alvin or anybody inside the building, they have nothing but amazing things to say about those two. They lead by example, they're vocal, but then when it comes down to game time, they're out there causing havoc like you mentioned, Maria. Unfortunately for the Bobcats, the Miami RedHawks did take down the Buffalo Bulls, so they secured the MAC East title. So in their next game against the Akron Zips, that's on Black Friday, November 24th. They don't have a chance for a MAC Championship berth. However, Like we've mentioned, they're still playing for these seniors in this loaded class that still wants to go out and make something of this final season. Obviously, you're playing for bowl eligibility and where you're going to end up in that uh, conversation. Obviously, they secured that a couple weeks ago, but they're not sure where they'll play yet. So a couple moving parts. There's still stuff to play for. And really, this past game was about the senior class, and they made it a special one.
0: Yeah, love to see the win, and these seniors will definitely be missed. So, to now move on to talk about soccer, they just had their first matchup in the NCAA tournament, so I will open the floor whoever wants to start with that,
8: yeah, Caleb, like you mentioned, their first ever nCAA tournament appearance in school history. We talked about this last time, just with how rich of a history Ohio University has in their athletic programs. the fact that this is their first ever Mac tournament or excuse me nCAA tournament appearance is kind of mind-blowing. And unfortunately for the Bobcats, they dropped that one 3 to nothing in East Lansing against the Michigan State Spartans. But this game meant so much more than the final score, in my opinion. This was a group that made history. They went out there, and it was just a whirlwind couple of weeks. We've spoke with Coach Rogers as well as a number of players on the team that said that this past week and this past just couple uh, moments, these games, these months – has been something surreal and now they finally kind of have a chance to sit back and look at what they've accomplished it's a moment to reflect for them obviously not the result that you want um, but that's a very good Michigan State team Uh, but as I mentioned the final score really I don't think tarnishes anything that this team did you can't take away the first ever MAC championship in school history that's a moment that's going to live on in the history books and when you think back to the senior class and to this team that's what they're going to get remembered by so just a really special moment unfortunately they couldn't keep the magic happening but just an amazing season for the soccer club
0: that's all we have for you this week thanks for joining us the outlet is produced each week by me kayla mccleskey we're edited by teach baidia aaron payne and david forster Adam Rich is our technical assistant, and our theme music is performed by Ryan Gabos. Enjoy our show? Tell a friend to give us a listen. They can subscribe to the outlet on SoundCloud or Spotify, as well as Apple Podcasts, or find us online at woub.org. They can also follow us on Twitter at outlet underscore woub and Instagram at newswatch underscore woub. We'll be back next week with more stories, from Southeast Ohio.